Hey, hey, it is time for part three of our four-part sales and marketing Game Changers mini-series. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics, and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up, folks? We are moving right along in our sales and marketing Game Changers mini-series, and this week's edition is all about reducing risk to make sales easier. Now, if you're just joining us for the first time, this is the third part in a four-part mini-series focused around sales and marketing strategies for the now. So if you haven't listened to the first two episodes, I'd highly recommend going back and starting with those. Or actually, I mean, this is actually a pretty good standalone episode. So even if you haven't done the pre-work, you can still stick around and, and hang out with us here on episode three. Regardless, all of that aside, this is not the first time that we've done a mini-series like this. In spring 2020, we actually did one focused around cybersecurity. So this time, we are giving the folks in the sales and marketing department something to listen to. Now, these episodes are also very different from typical manufacturing happy hour episodes. Usually, we're doing an interview with an industry expert, industry leader, But this is actually a panel, and I am not always going to be the host. In fact, this is the third time where I'm not the host. Next week, I will be hosting the discussion. But I have teamed up with five of my B2B marketing peers, and we're going to be talking about topics that are impacting manufacturers and other B2B businesses during the current time here in September 2020 when these episodes are coming out. Now, I mentioned that this episode is all about reducing risk to make sales easier. So what does that mean? Well, the three things you can expect from today's episode is the first thing we're going to talk about are roadblocks to sales and marketing. From there, we're going to discuss how to determine what those roadblocks are within your company or within the companies that you're serving. And then finally, we're going to give some very pointed tactics on how to reduce those roadblocks so that you can go make more sales. Pretty straightforward concept. I honestly think these panel conversations are getting better and better each week. And if you want to learn about any of the panelists that are part of these discussions or you want to connect with them on LinkedIn, you can do that by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash game changers for that and all the other resources mentioned in these episodes. Then finally, I've mentioned this before, since this is a unique format, if you have feedback, whether you're liking it or disliking it, or you just want to say, hey, you know, I'd love it if you do this in the future, tweet me that feedback on Twitter. You can find us at MFG Happy Hour. That is our handle. And if you really like something from these episodes or if there's a takeaway that you just have to share, Tweet that out and make sure to tag us. Again, that's MFG Happy Hour on Twitter. And with that, I'm going to hand off the hosting duties to my friend Ray Zaganto as we dive into this week's conversation. Let's get rolling. All right. Hey, welcome to the table, Game Changers. We are here to make you the hero of your company's growth story. And to do that, we've come together as a tribe of doers with diverse experiences 
perspectives, and a common passion for businesses that are just like yours. So, uh, being back for round three with this uh, this lovely crew, let's get to our introductions right now. Okay, so let's start with Miss Allison DeFord. Hey. Uh, I'm Allison DeFord, the resident trailblazer and founder at Felt Marketing. We are the only retrofit company, a marketing retrofit company for manufacturers since 1994. And, you know, manufacturers are definitely the hero of our story. They are struggling and challenged with staying relevant and profitable in this changing at the speed of COVID kind of world. And it's hard to know who to trust it's hard to know which marketing tactics to use because there are so many now and it's hard to, you know, they don't want to waste money in the process. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of fear around that. And so we help them retrofit their traditional marketing system with modern components to make sales easier because that's what it's all about. And I'm also the co-host of a little podcast called MFG Out Loud with the, I don't know if he's above me or below me, the unicorn with the mustache. That would be me. <laughs> Thanks, Allison. Hey, Mr. Mark Roberts, your turn. Hi, everybody. My name is Mark Roberts. I'm the founder and uh, CEO of OTB Solutions. Uh, what we do is we help companies fix their sales problems leveraging data. Um, we've been doing it for quite a long time and our passion is helping your senior management team and all your leaders have good current data to make really good strategic decisions. And as you can imagine with COVID, uh, where we've been really busy lately is capturing the voice of your customers as well as virtual sales training. Um, the sad reality is about 60% of salespeople are struggling right now um, selling virtually. And that's a problem that you can solve. That's awesome. Thanks, Mark. Ben. Thanks, Mark. My name is Ben Baker. My company is Your Brand Marketing. I am the chief storyteller of your brand. My job through our podcast, we have a company called Podcast Host for Hire. And what we do is we help companies create, produce, host, and distribute customized podcasts for them that's on brand, on message, and allows them to tell their story by interviewing both strategic partners, vendors, customers, and employees. That's me. And that's huge. Thank you, Ben. Chris. All right. So I am your token boots on the ground sales guy. Um, by day, I work as an account manager for Rockwell Automation. I help customers in the manufacturing space achieve their digital transformation goals. So taking all the buzzwords that they're hearing in this space, internet of things, and applying the right technologies to their business problems uh, through automation and information solutions. But by night, I am a podcaster as well. I'm the host of Manufacturing Happy Hour, where we talk about the latest technologies and trends in the manufacturing sector through interviews with industry leaders to help you take your career and your business to the next level. Excited to be here this week. Great to have you here, Chris. Thanks. Mr. Mark Mitchell, please. Hello, I'm, I'm Mark Mitchell. Uh, I'm a I'm a consultant to building material companies with a focus on their channel of distribution. And uh, I 
help companies to figure out why won't architects specify their product or distributors carry their product or why can't they get on the shelf at Home Depot, whatever that is. So my, my niche is the building materials area and I, I really enjoy it because it's a very challenging, every day is a new challenge, particularly today. Um, I've uh, written a book on building material marketing as well as I have a weekly newsletter that uh, I send out provocative um, insights on the industry to get you to get unstuck of keep doing the same instead of doing keep doing the same things better you know maybe it's time to change some things and so um I'd, you know any of you interested uh, please connect with me on linkedin um i love to learn from you and share my knowledge awesome thanks mark mark is also the wizard so uh, look, look for him that way uh, as well. I'm Ray Giganto. I'm the manufacturing unicorn and founder of Lenara International. My day job, my afternoon job is working with Allison as a proud co-host of MFG Out Loud, our podcast dedicated to the manufacturing world. My goal in life is to help manufacturers get their rhythm back. We all know manufacturing, when done correctly, is about flow and uh, and just things moving effortless, effortlessly through these through the system, from customers' requests all the way through the organization. And we know a lot of times it doesn't work that way, especially in the face of a lot of change. So my role is uh, to help get in there, help you get your groove back, and uh, get, make your manufacturing operation fun and profitable again. So really thrilled to be here with this group. So let's get rolling here. This is our third in the series of four of our gatherings for the Game Changers to talk about how our listeners and audience can more can make a big step. We're not talking about finding a way to get 2%, 3% more improvement or sales for their business. How do you double it? How do you triple it? How do you make it 10 times? So we want to take a big leap. Some of the leaps we've taken so far in our first episode, we talked about marketing that is seen, heard, and felt. And one of my key takeaways from that was, you know, emotionally engaged customers are 33% less price sensitive, 44% less likely to go to competitors, 300% more likely to recommend you. And I'll throw one in for extra credit. 70% of the buying process is over with before a buyer ever even talks to your salesperson. So they're looking for you online and you got to find ways to engage. Want to know more about that? Check out episode one, and uh, you will have plenty of info for you to dig down on that. In our second uh, in the series, we talked about leveraging data to stop selling naked. Provocative title, we love it, but so applicable to what's going on today. One of the key points and takeaway there is, you know what, doubling down on what's worked pre-COVID really just creates frustration, not results today. The, the water went out uh, when, when COVID hit and we found out who was swimming naked and uh, it's, uh, it's time to cover up and get back to business. Using that data, start with the data you already have on your business, on your customers, on your channel partners, on your sales teams. You're all sitting on a, a gold mine of information. If you start mining it, it's gonna help you make big improvements for your business. The other nugget I want to share with you is uh, Mark Roberts was kind enough to dig this one up. That you know the top 20% of your customers are driving 150 to 300% of your profitability before the profit profit leaking customers drain away what you earned. 
think about that. Think about that and what that can mean to driving your growth. That, and I think Mark touched on in his introduction, 60% of salespeople are having difficulty working remotely without any training or supervision. So we're giving you the tools, we're giving you the information, and we're giving you access. We want you to take these things and use them uh, to drive big improvement for your business, which leads us to today's conversation. We wanna talk about reducing risk to make sales easier, okay? So our first question for the panel that we wanna get out there, what are the risks that companies struggle with and how do they create the roadblocks to sales growth? And I'm gonna throw this one over to, uh, to Mark Roberts. What do, you, what do you think? What's, what's your take on this one? Um, I think it all starts with not understanding what's going on in your market today. And I don't blame anybody for that. Think about all the disruption and uncertainty that we're faced with. Um, but what I often see is uh, dated value propositions, old messaging that probably worked 20 years ago is not resonating today. And as Ray said, doubling down doesn't help. It only makes your sales team more frustrated. We're also starting to see a lot of growth in virtual inside sales. And it's absolutely critical that you have the right people with the right skills and the right roles today. Without that, you have a high degree of risk. And the other thing is just to you know, close the, the, the question, uh, when's the last time you checked on your customers and asked how happy or satisfied they were? Uh, when we do the voice of the customer work, one of the um, uh, experiences that we deliver um, actually tells you who's about to defect. And it's often pretty uh, staggering. Um, and the time to save them is before they leave. So again, there's a lot of ways to mitigate risk, um, but make sure that your sales team has the skills, uh, they have the right process based on the way buyers want to buy today, and they've been trained. And I want to build on that, that theme uh, that, that you brought up. Uh, and we've touched on this in our other uh, sessions as well about kind of the, the buyer persona and understanding who it is you're really speaking to. Allison, um, I know you've prolific uh, contributor in, in that area. What are your thoughts as far as the, um, the, the knowing your customer uh, as being a source of, mit of risk mitigation? Is that, is that a connection? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was thinking about this question, the, the risks that companies struggle with and the roadblocks to sales growth. And I thought about all the obvious things that we all know about supply chain, economical, seasonal, you know, pandemic. Um, and I, you know me, I'm the marketing brain. That's how I think. So I thought the two things that stand out the most, and I think to answer your question, this is what affects customers the most inconsistency and relevancy. And, you know, when you're inconsistent in your communications, your messaging, your follow through, uh, salesperson turnover, innovation, you don't come across well-meaning and that doesn't build trust. The same thing with being relevant. If uh, COVID is a great example, right? So did you hunker down and shut down and wait? to see what was going to happen because you were afraid, which, you know, it's no judgment. A lot of people did that. But as a manufacturer, did you do that? Or did you lean in and lead with transparency and support? So doing versus just saying, right? Actually getting in there to support your customer. And the reason that I think 
these two things erode trust the fastest uh, is because, it, I don't know, let me, let me segue just real quick. There was a Dr. David Shorman of Purdue University, uh, Indiana, and uh, written and done some of the most influential work and studies out there about building and earning trust. And I happened to see this article in Forbes this week, and I thought, wow, this came from the universe because, you know, we're doing this today. And I think the, no matter how competent a company tries to be, even if you prove it, right? If people do not believe, now this is the one thing that's going to blow your mind. If they don't believe that you're benevolent, they will not buy from you. So in order to be benevolent, meaning you're, you're showing that we're well-meaning and we're kind. Well, I believe that inconsistency and relevancy are directly tied to that. So I think if you want to mitigate risk, you need to look at your inconsistencies and how relevant are you and, you know, how, how benevolent do people really believe that you are? Yeah, that's, that's a great uh... It's a great answer, and it's a, it's a great segue. What what has me thinking about is something Ben you you'd said in a prior conversation. Uh, see if I get the, if I get this one right that your your company's brand is is only uh, worth as much as your uh, least satisfied employee on their. You, you want me to help you with that one? Yeah, would you? That's, that's a beauty. <laughs> yeah, your brand is only as valuable as your unhappiest employee on their worst day. Love that. That's, so that's, you need, it's got to go right to it. Yeah. Oh, it, it absolutely does. I mean, when we sit there and think about, okay, we have unhappy employees. Those unhappy employees are dealing with their customers. They're dealing with other employees. They're managing process. They're the ones picking up the phone. They're the ones processing orders. They're the ones doing the work just well enough to get paid, just well enough not to get fired. You know, and when they are in a position where they're not engaged, they're apathetic, they don't care, that's your brand. You know, that's what your brand is. It's, it's, it's like handing out cheap pens. You know, if you hand out cheap pens, you're seen as being a cheap person. You're seen as giving something that's ill, you know, that's poor quality, that's that might leak in our pocket. It says, how well is this manufacturer going to take care of my job? How well are they going to actually produce something that's really quality if they're handing away cheap pens? It's the same way with your people. If your people are not, you know, ecstatic about what they're doing, if they're not passionate about what they're doing, if they're not engaged, and if they don't want to provide great customer experience, it shows in about 2.3 seconds to a customer and a customer sits there and goes, I have money, I have a problem, I can have it fixed. There's probably 10 companies that can fix it. Why do I want to deal with this company that has this surly employee or employee that just doesn't care when I can take my money and I can go somewhere else where I feel like I matter and my problem is important to them. So, you know, it's that, that unhappy employees you know, is the worth of your brand is I give that story every single day. It's amazing how well it rings true. And it, and it applies so broadly, even, even in this area, where we talk about de-risking, it starts within your four walls too. It's not just when your sales team goes out in the field, Chris, you're going to back clean up on the end on this one because you're, you're our, you're our field sales guy. So um, Mark, we need to hear from the wizard on this. How do we, 
uh, what are the risks that companies struggle with? What I find them, the, the biggest risk is they really don't understand their customer. The, the senior leadership of a company understands finance, understands production capacity, sourcing, all, all of these other things that are designed around running the company and getting the product done. So, but they do not have an in-depth understanding of their customer and how their customer is changing. As <laughs> is like they are they have to, manufacturers have to change because of coronavirus and other things. Well, so do architects, so do contractors, builders, uh, Home Depot, all of these companies are, are changing. And what I find is the senior leadership of companies are not as close to customers they should be. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, years ago, there was a mayor in uh, New York City, Ed Koch. And he was famous for like being on the subway or walking down the street and he'd go up to a stranger and say, how am I doing? How am I doing as your mayor? Like he, he would literally invite, okay, let me have it, right? You know, and I just find not enough companies go to their customers and say, how are we doing? How could we make your life easier? And then the, the second part of this is I find salespeople are very, may be very aware of what the issues are, but they're not taken seriously by management. It's like, oh, just Henry, he complain. Henry from Kansas City, he's always complaining or winning this, this, our customer service isn't good enough or whatever. You know, it's just kind of tune him out, right? And so that, that's the, the second part of it is, you know, you don't know your customer well enough. You don't particularly know how your customer, how much different your customer is today than they were a year ago, even though they've been making changes. And then, you know, I find that companies need to do a better job of listening to their salespeople. Oh, all good, all good points. Chris, is he, how, how are we doing so far? What do you see when the rubber meets the road? I am happy to back clean up on this one because <laughs> Ben and even more so Mark provided a great segue into this because I'm going to put a slightly different spin on this one. I think of the biggest risks to sales and marketing, I think of it more in terms of a marketing risk. And this is coming from the perspective of a field sales guy at a large company. You know, Mark, you just mentioned it, that salespeople see a lot out there. They have a lot of direct intel from the customers, their ability to articulate what the challenges are. And, and this, by the way, this has some assumption that the salespeople within an organization know and understand their customers. So let's make sure that's, that's right. there. But, you know, when that's present and salespeople are getting all this intel, they're hearing the feelings, the challenges, the needs of customers on a regular basis. They have a lot of power to amplify marketing messages and even make them more authentic. So, where I see a risk is, you know, with large companies, let's be honest, they're typically going to be a little more careful because they have a large established brand. They want to make sure they're getting the right messages out there. And I'd be interested to get Allison's take on this later because I think this plays into making sure that message is consistent. But where I see one of the big risks is not looking at employees, team members, salespeople, as amplifiers to the messages that marketing is trying to get out. And we'll certainly talk about this more uh, as we get into it, but that's my baseline answer to kick things off. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. That's, that's awesome. Great start, everybody. So, okay. So now we've, we've got a sense of what some of the risks are that everybody, uh, that uh, organizations are facing or the risks that are in the way of getting more sales, making sales easier. How can our listeners determine 
the unique risk profile for their organizations. I'm assuming, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those radar plots where, you know, some organizations might be strong in one area, flat on another. How, do, how can they make that sort of assessment uh, in, in their organizations? What, are, what should they be looking for? And I'll, uh, I'm going to point this one towards uh, Ben. Oh, my God. I get, I get the first crack at this one? Yeah. This, this could be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> to bring it down to one word, it's listening. It, you know, people are not asking questions, and they're not listening. The only way we're truly going to understand our risk profile and where you know, our SWOT analysis, for lack of a better word, is to actually sit there and ask questions and not be afraid of the answers. And if the answers you're getting are not what you want them to be, then you need to sit there and say, is there something that we're doing on the, on the backside that we think that we're doing, but we're not actually doing? And people need to be honest with themselves. There's too many companies that drink their own Kool-Aid. We're the best. We're the biggest. You know, everybody does with, deals with this. Everybody loves us. And you know what? It's not true. You know, there are people that hate Coca-Cola. There are people that hate Visa. You know, there are people that will never deal with XYZ company ever again. But the problem is we're not taking those comments seriously. We're not, you know, back to Chris's uh, comment, we're not taking that information and sitting there going, okay, why? Why are these people so angry, whether they're people inside the company, whether they're vendors, whether they're clients, whether they're strategic partners, and finding out what are the things we do right, what are the things we do really well, and what are the things that we can improve on, and sit there and say, okay, maybe we should look at that. Maybe, maybe it's time to sit there and go, just because we've always done it this way doesn't mean that that's the way we should constantly do it in the future. It's time to reevaluate. It's time to put the ego aside. It's time to stop thinking that, you know, your poop doesn't smell because it does. And it's time to think of ourselves as a way of saying, you know what, what can we do to be better companies and better organizations and better for our employees instead of saying, well, we're the greatest because we're not, none of us are. Yeah, it's not us, it's them. I'm going to go to our data guy. Mark, uh, Mark Roberts, what do you, th uh, what's your read on that? I mean, are, you use data in all aspects of it on internally, externally. If we're looking to de-risk, uh, are, there, are there things that organizations can and should be looking at um, that might be some of those dark corners that would, would expose risks if we shine a light on them? Um, the short answer, again, you know, that'll be unique for me. Is um, when I attend your senior uh, management team meetings, board meetings, I listen for one sentence, and that sentence starts with, I think we should, and that gives me pause. You want to get my attention. Well, the latest trend data on that particular product illustrates the following, or in our recent research talking to our buyers, 66% of our buyers said they prefer virtual sales. Now those are data-driven conversations that we can build strategy upon. What makes me nervous, and again, I've, you know, I've got to be a little cautious and, and, and a little tactful in these meetings is, um, I really don't, I, I value what you think because you've probably been in the market. If you're a senior leader, you've probably served this market 35, 40 years maybe, uh, maybe less. But what do you know about today? 
because when you carried a bag, there weren't cell phones, right? You didn't have a laptop computer. There was not the internet. So when you start a conversation with, I think we should, I'd much rather you say, you know, based on the research we just completed, based on a call I had with our top three customers, based on the um, data that sales gave us in the CRM, one of the common sticking points in the CRM is right after we quote, where we need to establish value. Now we're having business discussions. Go. No, I like that. Mark, Mark Mitchell, you, you see the whole, the whole spectrum. I mean, from, you know, distributors to the manufacturers uh, to the, you know, the OEMs out there. What, what's your take on that? I mean, is there, is there a, a way or a place that uh, organizations can go dig around and say, okay, I, th I think we're, we're zeroing in on our, some of our sources of risk? Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of kind of like the Wayne Gretzky thing about like, you know, don't go where the puck is, you know, go where the puck's going to be, right? And so we sit here and, and any business today should be stepping back and saying, okay, you know, the world is changing. You know, like I, last night, you know, I decided I needed some new, you know, plastic wine glasses, right? Well, I've got three wonderful kitchen stores here in Boulder, you know, but did I say, oh, I'm going to get in my car, drive over there and go into the store and, and, and walk around to find, I, they probably have these glasses, right? No, I went to Amazon and, and in two minutes I pushed a button and it was okay, done, task completed, right? And, and so what's going to happen if we've been now pre-programmed, you know, to do more things online, you know, what is that going to mean to everyone's businesses? And so they're not looking out at what is, uh, what is the future look at, right? They're, they're, they're relying on, they believe the way they're doing it today is the right way. And the common thing that I see when I'm in those leader meetings with the senior leadership is I'll see this, you know, 60 year old VP of sales who's thinking about in five years, I'm out of here. And, um, and last thing I want is like the headache of doing something new that could have risk and require a lot of extra labor and work and learning and so forth. I can just ride this out for five more years. Right. And, you know, and, and I, like that drives me crazy. But I see, you know, many times we have people in those positions that the status quo is what they're looking for. They're not looking. They don't have the energy they had when they're in their 20s or 30s to go and reinvent the company. Uh, but that's what the company needs. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, it's like I just was talking to a, 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 a huge company that one of the only companies in building materials that is that their sales are down 30%. Everybody else I talk to in building materials, their sales are up like wow. 10, 15, 20%. Um, and, and it was because they are relying on the salesmen go call on, you know, local retailers, right. little small mom and pop retailers. That's how, that's how you do business. Right. So they're, they're, way behind in terms of e-commerce or just, you know, all the wonderful digital and online tools we have today, they're, they're way behind. And it's like, wow, I was just, you know, shocked to hear that from their marketing people. Wow. That's, so I, that's... I, I think it's about just, if I summarize real quick, I think sure. it's about looking to that Wayne Gretzky thing. Where is the business going to be, you know, whether it's one year, three years, five years from now, and are you, are you, are you making changes to be there? That's that's good. So, Allison, based on all of that, doesn't that really just 
beg, why don't we just get a new website and a bigger logo <laughs> and, and all of this goes away? <laughs> right? Yep. It, that, that is the equivalent to buying a new Bose speaker and thinking that suddenly now everyone will hear this old crusty message that wasn't working before. It's just going to be louder. So those things don't, don't um, solve the problem. And I think I'm so excited to be going uh, forth because what Ben and Mark and Mark all said is so true and leads into what I wanted to say. And that is so, so as they said, once you listen and understand your customers and your salespeople and what's actually happening, and then you have a, I recommend doing a spot analysis. I call it that because it's strengths, problems, opportunities, and threats, right? It's old school, but it still works. And like Mark said, then you can create these uh, business discussions instead of just, I think. And then you can actually create, you know, pull the opportunities from the spot analysis and really take a look at like, don't just, don't just write down the problems take a look at how those on the spot, right? How those connect with the opportunities and then do something about it. Change what you're doing. Skate to where the puck will be, like uh, like I said. And so I think the question that that begs is always ask this, and what else? Mm -hmm. If you can ask, and what else? Then I think that will help you constantly be skating to where the puck will be so that it's not like, well, let's just set it and forget it until the next big crisis comes along. But we're always talking about and what's next. And I think bottom line, if you, it's kind of like going to the doctor. Okay. So if you go to the doctor and you say, well, I'm having this like pain in my shoulder. Don't as a I guess as a person responsible for fixing the problem, right? Whether you're an outside consultant or an inside sales or marketing person, um, don't just stick a Band-Aid on that symptom. Go two levels deeper and look at the root cause. That's where you're gonna find out what's really the problem, what's really creating um, the risk, and then you can work on that. And what everybody said here it, it then in, it involves all those components. So, uh, and I like that that comparison, kind of that reference pain. You may think your issue is in your shoulder when in reality it's a pinched nerve in your neck or something like that. It's, you know, we see that all the time in in businesses. So we want to keep this keep this rolling. Chris, sales sales guy perspective. I guess a little different a little different twist because I know I know there's hey you you've got the benefit of looking kind of within your own organization and and what you do and the, the what you provide to your clients is in a way transformational that ultimately should be contributing to, to growth and their business, you know, progressing and stuff like that. I'm curious, do you see it uh, on, on both sides uh, as far as where those, those pockets of risks may exist? Yeah. So I don't know if I'm going to answer this the exact way you're looking for, but when I think of risks in this regard, since I am batting cleanup again, what I'd, what I'd say for whether it's a large organization like the one I work for, any organizations that we may work for is take everything that we've just said and put a closed loop process around it. I know that in many ways should be kind of self-explanatory, but I think 
the nice thing of working for a large company like I do and getting to see things from this perspective is I am able to see where we're looking for external feedback from customers, um, exactly like Mark Roberts has said many times about that value proposition audit, whether it's that or that voice of customer um, on the value proposition aspect, whether we're talking an individual product or whether we're talking about, you know, how easy is it to work with our company, you know, go out and get that feedback. Um, same thing happens internally with large companies. If an organization is big enough, you should be getting that feedback. Like we said, boots on the ground salespeople, folks that are in front of the customers, hearing it all the time, bring that to senior management as well. So if you have those external and internal feedback loops, what I'd say is the icing on the cake for something like this to start mitigating risk is when you get that feedback, take action and then have a process to communicate it back out as to what action was taken Ooh. and then start over. Cause it is a, mm -hmm. a process that you need to keep going through because things will change again. The world we lived in, you know, at this time last year is obviously not, you know, the world we are in today, but that will be the case with any year, maybe just not as extreme as what we're seeing right now. So a closed loop feedback process, both internally and externally is my answer for mitigating risk. I, I love it because it, it moves us right into the, okay, what do we do about it? We've identified some of the sources of risk. Mm -hmm. We've looked at what are some of the unique features uh, or those dark corners within specific organizations uh, to go look for, you know, what's driving the risk. And uh, Chris did a great job of getting us to that. Well, what are we, what are we going to do about it? I'm going to work my way backwards. Uh, you know, Allison, you know, you were, you, you kind of opened the door to some of the things that uh, they need to be, be doing about it. What, what else for our, for our listeners? It's like, we know where the risks are. What can we start, you know, um, what can they do about it to unleash sales, make it easier? Well, I think uh, <clears throat> what we already said, and that's pay attention to the spot or SWAT, pay attention to the answers and then create actionable steps to actually make sure that you're improving the problem and then follow Chris's advice and create that, that loop so that you can tell people and this is what we did about it. I love that. So often we'll do these analysis with clients and, you know, they get caught up. And again, it's not a judgment, but they get caught up doing the everyday, putting out the everyday fires and they never circle back to make sure that the stuff in the SWOT analysis or SPOT actually got taken care of. I know Mark's seen this a ton of times. So I would say one major thing, and, and this is from a marketing standpoint, and the reason I say this is because this is what supports sales and makes it easier. So I'm not beating this drum because it's you know self-gratifying um, or anything, but I really do believe that if you do this one thing, shore up your infrastructure, right? Because usually it's like, oh, that thing out there is causing the problem. No, 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 no. Look in here first. Got to start inside, so shore up your infrastructure. And the four things that I think you should do or can do, right? These are not rocket science, but they work. Like every single person in this group has said, start by listening to your customers. Don't assume. You know what? When you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. So don't, don't do that. Ask. Second, de-silo sale, sales and marketing once and for all, for God's sake. And it's like, have a united front. That will change everything. Um, three, and Mark beats the drum on this, and I completely agree with him, your unique value proposition, that brand promise, it's probably different today than it was five months ago. 
take a look at that, you know, do an audit and make sure that it's relevant. And then the fourth thing I think is be certain that at every touch point, every customer touch point, back to what I said in question one, be benevolent. Is it, is it clear that that's your motivation? You're there for the customer. Um, and, you know, like you always say, Ray, it's not a, an event, it's an evolution. So please don't set it and forget it or you're going to get caught with your pants down again the next time another COVID or some sort of thing hits. Yeah, and something will hit. Mark, you know, Mark Roberts, having, I guess, having intent, uh, having a noble or, or benevolent intent, but not having process, you're, you're, it's, it's kind of a problem, right? There's probably plenty of well-intentioned companies that mean to do something, but if they're if they're if they're not doing the blocking and tackling, I mean, is that an issue? Yeah, because um, what you're striving for here is what author Ed Wallace calls worthy intent, right? Sales, you know, we we can um, reach out, and if we have worthy intent to really serve the customer, understand their needs, actively listen and understand, and then completely solve them. Customers are going to have great experiences. Unfortunately, though, quite a lot of salespeople have what we call commission breath. And they're just trying to hit their numbers. That's all they talk about. And, you know, we've all had those calls, right? They usually hit around dinner time, And all we want to do is hang up. Um, so once you've established the worthy intent, once you've equipped your salespeople with the right tools and the right messaging by persona, you need a process. You need a milestone-centric process based on the way buyers are buying. You put all that together, I don't care what's going on in the um, economy, um, your team is going to win. Um, that's, uh, as, as a manufacturing guy, you, you spoke to me. <laughs> process is, is so important here. Mark Mitchell, I, I saw you had the pen out, so I know there's some, there's some pearls of wisdom pouring out on the page right now, please. Well, uh, my experience, so the ability to deal with risks, which means, you know, change, like it, it starts at the top. So the first thing is the CEO, president or whatever, they either are uh, interested or they're the type of person that says, I need to keep improving. I need to keep uh, evolving um, re to reduce our risk. And the first, my piece of advice to the, to the leader is to, you know, stop, I don't want to correctly put this, but it's literally stop listening to your team's feedback. Okay. It's like an echo chamber. You know, they're going to go, okay, I really, I see this all the time with clients I work with. It's like, like they are afraid to tell the president or CEO something that they feel they'll disagree with. Right. So they, they go, I, we should be doing this, but I brought it up three years ago and was shot down. And I know that like, they don't bring this subject up. Right. So, and then I walk in and I go, well, Mr. CEO, what, what are you doing? This is crazy. Right. And then because I'm coming from the outside, I have some authority or credibility and you know, the employees will look at me and say, Mark, thanks. We've been trying to tell this guy for three years, this, right. And then I think then there's the second audience, which is the, you know, there's one president, one leader, and then however many employees they have. Right. So much of, I find this, uh, this knowledge and, and awareness of risk, uh, uh, 
is more maybe based in the employees than it is in the leader. And so the, the employee that has this thinking needs to instill a, um, that message to the leader by ideally by, you know, uh, showing the risk, getting some fear in that person. Um, not we'll do better if we do this, but if we don't do this, we might not be in business, right? Or we'll see, we'll, we'll just go out of business over time. Um, you know, to effectively do that. And it usually to me comes from somebody in marketing. Um, salespeople tend to be like, you know, like, okay, I know how to make my numbers. I don't want to look at another way to do it. I don't want to look that there's a different customer today. I, I that, you know, that I got a, I got a thing here, right? I, I'm in where, where marketing is more kind of looking and going, wow, I noticed this competitor doing something different than we are. Or I noticed the customer mentioned, you know, that I, I'm seeing the customer change, right? And so I think there's one that the leader needs to find out for themselves what's going on in the world in uh, and then the employee needs to have the balls to go you know uh, to go point this out to the leader that they're facing some risk oh great, great feedback I want to go to our our, our cultures are uh, Ben <laughs> there's a there's a there's a lot about you know the, the that internal that willingness to bring up um, the bad news the listening uh, side of things from the market, the closed loop process, you know, those things. What's what's your take? What should they be doing? Well, let's start with a conversation I had with a uh, customer the other day. Mm -hmm. And she was really excited because the beginning of September, they do their annual engagement survey. And they have 16,000 employees across North America. And they're going, okay, we're going to get all this great insight. I went, that's great. What percentage of the information that you gather gets enacted on hmm. and I get blank sure. stare number one. <laughs> yeah. Number two, I said, what is your feedback loop to allow people to understand the results of the survey? So all 16,000 people get insights of what that survey oh, meant. Man. You know, what were the insights that came out of it? What does it mean to the company? And what direction is the company going to take now that they've got this information to build the next 24, 36 months? And I got another blank stare. And, you know, and I told her, I said, look, don't feel bad. You're no better, no worse than most of the large corporations I talk to. Most companies, that strategic plan that comes out of a lot of this stuff Mm -hmm. 60 to 70% of employees never see it. It's never communicated. They might get a, a, a 50 word memo that comes out of it, but that's it. But they don't understand the why they, you know, employees take the time to go through this survey and actually answer the questions and think about things. And, you know, the third time that they do this and nothing happens, mm. the next time they get asked for an engagement survey, they just dial it in. They don't actually put down any comments. They just check a box. They may not even give the right answer. They said, well, it doesn't really matter whether I, you know, check the A box, the B box, or the A and B box, because no one's really looking at the information anyway, and nothing's going to happen. So that's the biggest risk that I see is apathy. And people are going to become apathetic when they think that all this work that I do all this input that I give, all this advice that I come up with, you know, the thoughts that I have don't mean anything. They're not valued. I'm not listened to. I'm not understood. I'm not valued. 
And if we can't allow our people to feel valued within the company, why are we hiring them? If we're not empowering our people, why are we hiring them? If we're not trusting our people, why are we hiring them? If we're not allowing them to use their initiative to be able to help make the company better and help make customers better, why are we hiring them in the first place? There's too many companies out there that think they know what's best for their employees without ever asking them. If you wanna know where the risk begins, it's your brand is only as valuable as your unhappiest employee on their worst day. And, you know, not caring about your customers and not internal customers and not listening to them, that's what's making the unhappy employees. It's, it's interesting. We get so uh, so wound up in uh, in tracking activities, uh, we forget about outcomes. Exactly. You know, just, just like that, that big survey, you know, that was that was out there. So, okay, we've we've identified some some risks and some of them are seem to be just, uh, you know, kind of general business. Some of them are extraordinary. Uh, that uh, that can hit us like like COVID. Some of them can be technological disruptions uh, that are that are occurring around us on a on an ever at an ever increasing pace, you know, these days. So how does an organization uh, then kind of remain on alert on alert without being paranoid? I mean, is there a you know how do we, how do you stay on your on your toes? I see. Uh, Chris, are you stretching or you want to go first? <laughs> I'll go I'll go first on this one because I didn't quite get to answer the last question, right. but this will segue into the one you're Perfect. asking as well. Perfect. All so right. first, um, you know, and, and it's kind of good that I got skipped because I had talked about having that external and internal feedback yeah. loop. And I think Mark Mitchell and Ben did an excellent job of highlighting the importance around that um, and further expounding upon it. The one thing I would add on top of that is – I think it also, you have to have the right culture in place because it's one thing to have the formal process, but it's just as important to be able to walk up, like Mark, you were saying, being able to have the balls to tell an executive or a leader to say, this isn't working. Like you need to be able to have that cultural dialogue in, in the, not, not in a negative regard. You're not trying to pinpoint someone's individual flaws, but you need to be comfortable having those type of courageous discussions within an organization, regardless of what your title is. So I think having that culture complemented by some closed loop feedback processes is really important. You know, when we're, when we're thinking of talking about, you know, a lot, you know, overcoming some of these risks, being prepared without being paranoid, I'm going to go back to something I talked about at the start, and this is another tactical example, but Allison, you, you had brought it up when you mentioned, um, you know, de-siloing sales and marketing. I want to jump on this risk once again, or a way around this risk is that I think one of the big ways to start de-siloing that when I started this conversation, I mentioned that salespeople need to be taken seriously as marketers. They need to be allowed to amplify that brand message. And I think, again, from the perspective of a large company, um, large mid-sized company, one thing you can do to mitigate some risk around that is coming up with maybe a social media policy for lack of a better word, but one that has a bias towards sharing and taking action versus a bias towards, well, be very careful about what you say. If you create something where you can highlight what other team members have done to amplify a company's message saying, hey, these are great examples of ways salespeople or ways engineers or ways anyone within the organization have been amplifiers for a marketing message, highlight those and encourage other people to do the same. Because what it does is two things. One, 
it, it gets people getting the message out there to more people. You create a group of amplifiers. And two, you mitigate some of that risk by setting some guidelines around that. You know, I think most employees that understand the brand of a company they work for are going to be able to articulate what they do very, very well, and many times in maybe a more authentic way than if the brand were doing it. So creating some guidelines that provide a bias towards action rather than a bias towards caution. I like that. I see, I see a lot of nodding heads. Allison, you want to jump on that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think you're, that was very well said, and I completely agree with you. And I think, um, I think, oh my God, Mark, now, I, you're going to make me realize I say that a lot. A, but you have the data behind it, Allison, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> data. I think, uh, God, I did it again. Okay, I'm going to back up. So, recognizing that indeed things have changed. And a quote, I'm going to throw this out there because it this struck me between the eyes like a brick to the head this last week or two weeks ago. We had on our podcast, Darren Mitchell from Trout River Industries and his experience with an actual prospective customer blew my mind. And it was this, I won't tell the whole story, but this is the quote that came from it. When the guy sitting in front of you trusts the guy on the screen more than he trusts the six foot two man standing right in front of him, you know things have changed. And it's the same guy. It's the same guy. Like literally, um, Darren was standing in his office and the guy was like this and Darren's like, like the guy hadn't even said anything. He'd flown all the way there to meet with him. And Darren said, I don't mean to be rude, but are you going to get off your phone? And he said, I'm watching your video. And then he's like, give me a PO. So, you know, I'm, I had to share that because I think that to me is so telling that this isn't doing things like we've always done them. This isn't doing things like we did things six months ago. So I think really, uh, I think I got to quit saying that really listening, like I'm going to recap here, but listening creating these processes where people can then know that they were heard. And then this is what you're going to do about it. That closed loop that Chris is talking about is I think one of the most brilliant things that's come out of our talk today. I really do because how many, and then like Mark said, they do the survey and they're asking you, but they really don't care because you never hear anything about it again. So I, I, I hope I didn't, not answer the question or get off topic, but I just feel like it's, um, you know, you don't want to get caught with your digital pants down the next time something like this happens. It won't be your digital pants. It'll be another kind of pants, but it'll, it'll be, it's coming. So prepare and uh, yeah, keep that, keep that loop open and closed, but keep, keep it going. And I'm right kind of a continuous improvement uh, uh, approach to things. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's great feedback. Mark Roberts, what do you, what's your take? Well, I, I think, you know, a lot of us grew up in an era where we went away for a long weekend with our senior leaders and wrote a strategic plan and we executed it for the next 12 months. Um, if you're doing that right now, it's probably not working. 
Um, so what we need to do is be much more agile. And I think it was the last um, episode where we talked about the dollars in your data. There's a lot of dollars and insights in your data. You're collecting more data on your servers than you've ever had in the history of your company. There's more data on a cell phone uh, capability than there was in, I think, the first space shuttle, right? Mm -hmm. But are you using it? Um, you know, ask yourself four questions. Why do people buy from me? Why don't people buy from me? How effective are our salespeople? And how much more effective could they be? If you just ask those four questions, you're gonna be on a path to improving your, your results. And again, that, that feedback loop that everybody's talking about is absolutely critical because again, it's not gonna be popular, but a lot of the manufacturers that I've worked with and helped, bad news from the market is not well received. I had one senior leader say, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. That person wasn't equipped to solve that problem. We need to change that mentality because we're, it, we're trying to figure out a new normal and we need information and we need to find the dollars in the data. Oh, that's great insights. Ben, you're going to, you're going to bad clean up on this one. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Mark. <laughs> okay, good. I just said, don't, okay, go to bed. I didn't get to good, I, can, I can warm up. You know, I can warm oh, yeah, up. Yeah, right. bit, you know, <laughs> but I, I have, uh, you know, so what I look at is there's two kinds of leaders. There's leaders who are faced with a challenge and they stick their head in the sand and they go, oh, well, we're, 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 there's this coronavirus. What can we do? We're screwed, right? Okay. And then there's people say, okay, you know, the, the old thing about like, okay, we got lemons. Let's make lemonade. They, they, they look and say, what's the new reality? What's our current situation today? And there was a book written years ago that I really loved by, by Noel Titchy called um, Control Your Own Destiny or Someone Else Will. And I see I, that speaks right to it that I see certain people go, I'm going to let the marketplace determine if I'm successful or not, as opposed to I'm going to determine if I'm successful or not. You know, some people go, well, what, what can we do? The customers want lower prices. What, what can we do? Home Depot doesn't like us or whatever it is. It's like, it's like, so, I mean, you know, and so I think there's those two kinds of, of people and you want to be the one that's in charge of your own destiny. I mean, since March, I've seen some companies that literally made huge changes in their business dealing with the reality today, right? And they're doing well. And other companies uh, that, that put their head in the sand going, well, there's nothing we can do about this. We'll do, we'll, and then there's the further part of that, which is eventually it will get back to normal. No, mm. no, it won't. So that, that's my thing is, you know, is to be in charge of your own destiny. Don't let the marketplace or outside things determine, you know, whether you're going to be successful or not. Great perspective. Mm -hmm. Ben? Yeah, I, I think the biggest challenge I see, and it goes back to what Mark was saying, uh, is about data. And the fact that we dashboard everything, everybody wants to condense everything to these little wheel diagrams and bar graphs and, and, and bring it down to one sheet. Give me one eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that tells me what my entire 16,000 employees are thinking across, 18, you know, across eight different divisions. And the problem is the manager tells the district manager, the district manager tells the, you know, the, the 
vice president, the vice president tells the senior vice president tells the board of directors and everything gets condensed all the way down and everybody whitewashes it a little bit to make themselves look good. And so by the time the information is up at a level where the decisions are being made, how accurate is that data? How accurate realistically, if it's gone through eight different hands, the game of telephone comes to mind. You know, even if everybody's intentions are good, if everybody's intentions are absolutely clean, which they never are, you know, there's going to be problems with the way that data is interpreted from person to person to person to person. Now take in the human factor. If people don't sit there and say, okay, I've got this dashboard. This is what it says. Now I need to go back and spot check it. You know, and there's so many companies out there that don't take the time to spot check it, to go out there and do a walk on the floor, to go sit there and talk to a couple of employees, to go sit there and call a manager in, in, you know, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, one in LA and one in Alaska and sit there and say, so what do you think about X? And just listen to them and spot check it and sit there and go, wait a second here, this data, something's wrong with this. Instead of going off and spending a million, five million, ten million, a hundred million dollars on, on a direction based on a, on a one-page data sheet, you better take the time to go out there and, and make sure that that data that you have is actually accurate. And whether it's internal data, whether it's external data, whatever, we need to sit there and not assume that every one and every zero is equal. That's well put, and uh, you know, history certainly repeats itself. There, are, there are so many examples that we've we've all seen with our, with our own clients or read about. Um, you know, where the the numbers look good, but the business flew into the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how how can that be? So you're you're right that that big disconnect that uh, that comes there. We are at the point uh, where I think it's time for our lightning round. Uh, so what, what we want to do here with everybody is I want to hear that one thing uh, or that one really long sentence, depending on your preference, uh, that, I, that our listeners should do right now that will help take the risk, take some risk out of their, their uh, sales process and make selling easier. Chris, hook me up. What do you got? The one thing. I feel like we've had a pretty good theme going throughout the day. So I am actually going to answer with like one line rather than a run on sentence oh, like right. I've done before. So closed loop process. Like I think if, if we could get the folks listening to walk away with one thing today, cause this is something they can take action on right away, but it's yeah. also something that will be repetitive in a good way moving forward. So yeah. I know yeah. I found a way to take that one line and say like three sentences, but I uh, give the ground back to you now. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Thank you, Chris. Mark Mitchell, what's that one thing? The, the uh, one thing to me would be do a better job of listening to your customer. That's, I like it. That's, that, that would be my one, you know, easy to do, doesn't cost anything, uh, doesn't require a big change in the organization. Yep. Just you could go do that today. I like it. I like it. Ben Baker, give us that one thing. Stop assuming that we know everything and be okay with it. Mm, great. That's, that's huge. That, that is huge. I like that a lot. We're going we're gonna to revisit that many times. Thank you, sir. Mark Roberts. 
Uh, listen to your customers and listen to learn not to reply. Mm. And once you learn insights, make sure and train your salespeople and align your team to serve your customers the way they want and need to be served today. That's big. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. Allison, how do we reduce risk and make sales easier? Well, my thought is to be 1% better every day. If you do that, it's being consistently better, I guess is my, my message here. If your consistency breeds familiarity and familiarity breeds trust. So if you want to reduce risk, um, don't forget to be benevolent because that's what matters to people. And remember that it's, it, it is all about them. Like everybody else here has said, um, customers don't care about you and your brand and your XYZ widget. They care about them. And I think that goes the same for your employees. So make it all about them. That's an excellent place to wrap up. And we are about out of time for today. So I would like to thank uh, the game changers on our panel for their insights, as well as the game changers in our audience that are doing the work to get the results that they know are possible. And uh, we are all very highly visible on LinkedIn and Twitter, and we would love to connect with you directly. So please feel free, reach out anytime you have a question, an idea, a really good joke, you just want to say hello, we're okay with all of that and would love to get acquainted with you. So please track us down. And please join us next Thursday, August 27th, for the final installment of the Game Changer series. And our topic next week is going to be leading your team through the new normal. So in the meantime, thanks so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate you and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Closed loop process. Closed loop process. That is my main takeaway from this episode, whether it's internal, external. Listening, taking that feedback, taking action, and then communicating that back to your customers and your team members so they knew you took action is a great way to remove roadblocks around sales and marketing. A lot of great advice from the panelists this week. As always, if you want to connect with Ray, Allison, Mark, Mark, or Ben, make sure to head over to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash game changers. You can access their LinkedIn profiles there. You can also access all the resources mentioned during these episodes if you want to learn more about them or anything that they do. We have one more episode coming up in this four-part mini-series. And actually, I'm going to be hosting that week. It's going to be focused around leading through the new normal. It's certainly something that we've talked about here on Manufacturing Happy Hour before. Episode 18 is one of those that sticks out where we interviewed Dan Stutterheim from Casa Controls. If you want to dive into that, if you want to dive into more sales and marketing, I should say we've actually been releasing some sales and marketing episodes lately. Both episodes 24 and 25 feature some content marketing experts, specifically Joe Sullivan and Wendy Covey. Check those out if you want to dive into the marketing topics a bit further. 
And before I continue rambling this week, I should just say that if you are enjoying what you're hearing during this rather unique mini-series, again, I'm not hosting these for the most part. It's kind of a twist that we're throwing in Manufacturing Happy Hour. Let us know your feedback on Twitter. Tweet me at MFG Happy Hour. And if you get a takeaway from one of these episodes that you particularly like, that you want to share, tweet that as well and then tag us. Again, MFG Happy Hour on Twitter. With that, we're going to wrap it up for this week. Our last episode in this mini-series is next Friday. Stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you there next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.